You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 283 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is deep into the night here on Monday. In fact, it will be Tuesday on the East Coast by the time we're done recording. And because it's a very, very late hour, you know I'm joined by Scott Coleman, the West Coast correspondent. Hello, sir. Brad, I have totally jinxed tonight's game. We were cruising along through six or seven innings, and of course, I thought, this is going to go to extra innings tonight, knowing that it was already going to be on the late side for you. And of course it goes to the 10th and it felt like the last three innings of tonight's game took like seven hours to complete. But here we are, you're a pros pro doing this so late and there is some good stuff to talk about. Yeah, good stuff uh, in the middle of a bunch of maddening losses. That's been kind of the story of the season so far for the Braves is like every game they've lost has been pretty maddening slash frustrating and that was encapsulated yeah. by the last two uh sunday night and uh, now tonight on monday we'll get to those in a second um i do want to plug one thing at the top uh eric front of the podcast fellow co-host eric cole interviewed michael harris who is like america's favorite prospect right now so that's on the feed if you missed it it's on this same feed subscribe to the podcast you will hear that interview from earlier last week and uh, my apologies on having the podcast a little bit delayed this week but it's monday night and I'm glad that I, I, I'm sure kind of kind of glad. Other than it's very late, it's good that we have the live reaction to uh, this baseball game. <laughs> I'm sure there we we could come up with two worse ways to lose baseball games than the way Sunday night's game ended and then tonight's game. I, I'm sure we could come up with a worst way to lose, but I mean we're we're pretty near the top here, Brad. I don't know what it is. Anytime we <laughs> we do one of these, it's rarely like oh hey they're on a four game winning streak and they just walked off a you know a win. Especially uh, like compared to, I mean, in the regular season, especially like I guess you could argue that uh, you and I and Eric have have responded to some uh, historic playoff defeats. But other than that, uh, yeah, these two are pretty much designed and allowed to be pretty, pretty frustrating. I think Braves fans are on the edge of their seats in a bad way at the moment. Um, At any rate, let's start at the beginning. We'll go through a little bit of stuff earlier in the week. That's uh, we'll, we'll go through quickly, I guess, at the top here. The first loss, that's our last podcast, was Tuesday. And they hit four home runs in the first three innings and lost, which is not something you normally see. Uh, that was the one time that it was the it was not the offense that was the problem. Uh, Drew Smiley got beat up a little bit. He wasn't too bad in that game, and we'll come back to him later from later on in the week. But the bullpen got rocked. Uh, they got six outs and allowed nine base runners, which is not a, yeah. not a good ratio. Um, I mean, that feels like it was a long time ago, but it <laughs> did t- it did tie the Braves' longest losing streak in the last four seasons when they opened 0-4 and their first 0-4 start since 2012 now they were good in 2012 so that's a positive sign but uh it feels like a long time ago but they weren't they were 0-4 so things things could be worse i guess yeah i mean 
we didn't know it at the time, but as you just kind of alluded to, it's been kind of the theme of the season so far. It's just some frustrating, close losses. And maybe maybe it's selective memory, but it sure felt like over the last couple of seasons, the Braves just seemingly somehow found a way to sneak out those games where they were tied in the eighth inning and all those last at bat wins and comeback wins. And again, we are through 10 games after tonight. Uh, you know, for football terms, it's the equivalent of almost being done with week one is where we're at in terms of like a percentage of the season being done. So, uh, of course, it's still so early. But when you do lose a couple of frustrating games like they have, uh, like the one a week ago, especially to Max Scherzer, you said four home runs off Max Scherzer. You think, wow, we're, we're probably going to win this one. And then, of course, the bullpen imploded. Yeah, not not ideal. But things got better from there. Wednesday was a good day. Wednesday was a doubleheader, a seven-inning doubleheader, which is uh, – I enjoy those, honestly. They're kind of breezy, although it's a lot of baseball. Uh, yeah, that, that's the only rule, the new rule since last year that I, like, genuinely like. Like, I enjoy those seven-inning games. They're yeah, the, I mean, they, they kind of fly by, and then you got a yeah. little break, and then you do it again, and it's like, all right, this is kind of a it's, – it's a full day for sure. Yeah. But it's it, kind of it's nice. It's still 14 innings. Like, you feel like you're not robbed uh, of, of a – of a game, right? Like after seven innings, it's kind of fun. I think it almost makes a little bit more of an emphasis on the earlier innings because you know that, of course, you're playing two fewer innings that day. So I, I do enjoy that rule, I think. Yeah, and it was kind to the Braves this time. Uh, game one, they actually had to come back. Um, Free gave up four runs in the bottom of the first, including a home run uh, to Turner, and they kind of had to, like, come alive from there. Um, but the offense got going. Uh, the guys who... Actually, Ender almost hit a home run in that game. <laughs> game one, that was a, a funny moment. And then Freed actually had an RBI single helping himself with some bad bit luck. But I mean, that was a comeback win. Uh, Freed actually had kind of a scary moment. He got hit, he got hit in the leg with a ball. It was a pretty crazy uh, two inning stretch, honestly. Before that, but he ended up coming out of the game. It was precautionary. He was also pretty bad in the game. In fact, Freed's allowed seven runs and seventeen base runners in seven innings. Yeah. So I'm not saying you panic about Max Freed, but if you're looking at something that's a little bit scary from Wednesday, it was probably that Max Freed has not been good so far. Yeah, his command has been off. Now, maybe it's just shaking off the rust still. Maybe it's they brought him along a little bit slower in the spring, and he's still just not you know, 100% ready to go. But, yeah, he hasn't been great. He was able to escape some damage in, in Philadelphia the, in opening day, and as you just said, he was not very sharp early on. In the Washington game, hopefully it's just a blip on the radar and he's able to kick it in gear in Tuesday's game. I believe he's scheduled to start against Miami, but he has not been great. No. Uh, and again, it's, it's early. No concerns for me just yet, but that is uh, something to circle. But the bullpen, after giving it up on Monday, came back. Uh, sorry, on Tuesday, came back and was awesome in game one of that game. It was actually uh, a game one on Tuesday. I'm sorry, on Wednesday. Uh, four scoreless innings from Tomlin, Jones, and Minter. Uh, Jones and Minter, not so good tonight, we'll say. But uh, they were pretty good on Wednesday. Um, <laughs> game two was pretty breezy. It was a 2 nothing game. The Braves won despite only having three hits. Uh, and the only runs of the game came from the bat of our favorite pinch hitter, Pablo Sandoval, one of the only guys on the team that's been good at the plate this season. Pablo yeah. Sandoval, saving grace <laughs> to this point. Like him and Ronnie are single-handedly the reason the Braves have won four games so far. Like if if Ron Lacuna wasn't out of his mind and Pablo hadn't had the cup, I know they lost the first game, he hit the homer, but man, those two guys are like the only hitters who have really shown up. I know Freddie's had a couple of homers, and but really, yeah, man, it's, it's been a rough going last. I looked today, I think the Braves were 26th in team WRC+. plus. After scoring three runs tonight, I'm guessing it's 
probably gone down. They had like four hits all night tonight. So it, it has not been good to the bats. Again, it's still so early, but as you said, at least this was one where it was a low scoring game that they won. Yeah. To your point, after the first two series, when the Braves were two and four, they had a team WRC plus of 51. So Ooh, yeah. that's not what you want uh, in general. Ooh. And uh, if you, if you removed Acuna and Sandoval, I'm not sure how bad it would be, but it would have been very unsightly. Um, the other bright spot from Wednesday's game too. And he was another bright spot tonight was, uh, you know, has been awesome. First start, yeah. five innings, two hits, no runs. Tonight he was awesome as well. We'll come back to that later on. But he had never even completed more than four innings in a start. Even even the Game 3 heroics in the playoffs against the Dodgers, he only threw four innings. So he's now thrown you know, back-to-back career-long outings. And essentially he's the fifth starter at the moment because Mike yeah. Soroka is going to be out for a little bit longer. Bryce Wilson's still stretched out, but it's, it's Enoa. And with this start tonight, I think he's just going to be there for a while, it looks like. Yeah, you know, I guess shame on me. I guess I didn't realize that Enoa had some pretty decent prospect pedigree coming up. I mean, I know, I know they traded for him, and of course, it was the era when John Coppolella was collecting every pitching and prospect. Yeah, every <laughs> pitching prospect in the world, and good on him. It obviously has worked out uh, with the handful of arms he's gotten. But man, this is a pro Enoa podcast. I think we've we've talked about how the stuff is just so good. And again, it's just a matter of control. But through two starts, he has not seen a great lineup. I mean, he was facing, I mean, the, the Nationals lineup in, in that doubleheader was basically Juan Soto, Trey Turner, and a bunch of bums. I mean, literally, that's what it was. And then and then the Marlins lineup is not very good either. But nonetheless, two starts in, he has been terrific. And honestly, other than Charlie Morton, he's probably looked better than anybody else in the rotation. And yeah. I, I can't imagine taking him out anytime soon, even if Mike Soroka does get back and we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, you might, he, he might be forcing his way into the rotation for good. And that's certainly a welcome. Uh, it's not a problem, but a good problem to have. Yeah. You can't have too many good arms. And even before tonight's game, Snicker said that he was going to pitch at least one more time after today. I think he's going to go over the weekend. So uh, I've expected that to even grow more after the way he pitched tonight. So a bright spot. We'll come back to him later on as well. The other thing that was noteworthy was that Sean Newcomb has been awesome in the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, he struck out the side throwing in the upper nineties on Wednesday, like just looking like uh, a new man. And I know people are starting to at me. It was kind of, I was proud because people were, uh, Remembering our, our pro Newcomb bullpen takes and uh, shouting us out <laughs> for those. Uh, I'm not yeah. going to take a victory lap just yet, but he he looks pretty good in the bullpen so far. I'm, I'm my fingers are crossed as we as we speak right now. But uh, I actually want to yeah, say this they, last thing before I let you talk. Uh, yeah. I wonder if he was unavailable tonight because both he mm-hmm. and Matzik did not pitch, and Nate Jones was left out there to die, and they had Grant Grant Dayton warming up. So I'm I'm going to yeah. hope that Newcomb and Matzik were not available tonight. Just saying. Yeah, probably. I mean, the downside or one of the downsides of playing all these close games is the bullpen is just getting taxed like crazy. Yep. And it's a long season. As we know, it's a six month marathon. And I feel like every game, I mean, literally every game, but but one has been within, I think, a couple of runs. I know there was, I think, half of the Braves games so far have been decided either by one run or an extra innings. They had that one game against the Phillies the other night where they won convincingly, and then they had a loss that was, I think, 4 nothing or 5 nothing that second game of the year. But, man, every night's felt like it's been a real grind. And, of course, you you can't just rely so heavily on the on your better arms in the bullpen. And, like you said, then you're, you're just leaving Nate Jones and Jacob Webb and those types out there, and they're, they're just not always going to get the job done. 
Yeah, to your point there, Will Smith pitched again tonight. That was his third consecutive day. So I can't imagine he's pitching tomorrow. Oh, wow. uh, no. I actually, and I kind of guessed this and was ended up being wrong on Twitter during the game tonight, but I thought when they left Jones in there, even brought Jones in, I thought it was because Smith had already gone two days in a row and maybe they were trying to save Matzik for the ninth, but Smith ended up pitching. So he's not throwing four days in a row, I don't think. So you'll, you would imagine he'll, he'll be unavailable on Tuesday, but uh, that's yeah. something to keep an eye on too. Like they're having to taxi guys, tax guys in the way that you were uh, talking about there. Um, all right, let's go to a, uh, the most positive single game so far was the home opener on Friday, an eight to one victory. They actually, they actually were trailing after four and a half innings, and then the uh, offense actually came alive, led by Charlie Morton with a single. Shout out to Charlie Morton, his first hit in like <laughs> multiple years because yeah, he's been in the American League. Um, but then Acuna continues to be incredible. We'll come back to him later on too. But a two-run homer there, he blasts one. Uh, Ozzy doubles. Darno drives him in. They break it open in the sixth inning. with. Uh, and by the way, Acuna makes another absurd catch defensively yeah. in the sixth inning. And then the Phillies kicked it around a little bit. Uh Shouts to uh, Alec Bohm, Bohm. I'm not even sure how to say his name. The guy, he he, he, can't, he can't play defense. Honestly, it's 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 kind of remarkable how bad he yeah. is. I get, yeah. Only against the Braves, though. It seems like he's not that bad against anybody else. From if you look at the numbers, it's like why is this guy so bad? And then every time he plays the Braves, he just forgets how to play baseball, which is yeah, f- fortunate I'll say. And then Adrianza bombs to break the game open. So that was fun. Yeah, it's. I mean, we we questioned the bench so far. The bench has not been a problem at all. Like honestly, it's been the oh, biggest. Oh, well, Ender, Ender, Ender exists, but yes. Well, yeah, but we. <laughs> I, I agree with you though, overall. Uh, Sandoval yeah. and Adrianza have been awesome. Yes. Yeah, and I think, you know, my my real takeaway from the home opener was just how great was it to have fans back in the stadium. Like, yeah, it was rocking. I, I know a couple. I think the the ESPN broadcast crew even noted last night on the national broadcast that even though there's only like what nine thousand people at the stadium, like it was rocking. Like the equivalent of like, you know, it felt like there was thirty, forty thousand people there, and maybe it helps that the tickets are more limited, so you have fans who are really, really into it because they're paying a premium to get those select seats. But man, um, just really nice to have fans. I know I was listening to the radio broadcast tonight and. Um, you know, Joe Simpson said it was hard for these guys. These guys are used to playing in front of 40, 50,000 people most nights. And then last year, of course, they're playing in, in a stadium with like four people in the entire stands. And it's hard to get up for it again. I know it had to be done a year ago, but I, I just I, I noticed just how wonderful it was to have fans in the stands making noise. And it just adds an element to the game that you can't replace with 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 pumped in crowd noise and cardboard cutouts and all that. Yeah, I had a couple of friends that were there that I talked to uh, either during or after games this weekend, and also uh, just the media people that were there as well. Like, it had a feeling like it was kind of back. It's not jam packed yet, like you said, but it was, there was. There's been good energy. It's obviously early in the year, so people are enjoying, especially just kind of being back for the first time. Like, I know ticket prices were kind of through the roof from what I heard on uh, secondary market and all that stuff too. But it's yeah, I, hopefully that continues and it just gives you a little bit of a, of a jolt at home. Um, Last of the wins before we get to a break, uh, they win 5-4 on Saturday. That was kind of a weird game, too, like a lot of back and forth. They went, they actually went down early, and then Freddie hit a, hit a two-run bomb, and then they ended up winning the game at the end. It's sort of this strange comebacker by Freddie that ended up scoring the winning run. Um, just kind of a bizarre game. Like Anderson, Anderson was just like fine. He wasn't very good at the outset, but Newcomb was great again. I don't know. Saturday was like the most 
the game that I had, I had no real takes on. It was just like the most <laughs> boring game. Other than, uh, it actually wasn't boring. It was back and forth. It just wasn't yeah. like anything that was crazy to take away from. Other than Freddy's still good, which is good. Yeah, I mean, I guess the overall theme of the first 10 games for the Braves is the offense has really been Whew. home run or bust. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, and that's fine. Like, you have you have Acuna, who's out of his mind, and Freddy's hit for some power, and you've gotten a couple from a few other guys. But, man, it really does feel like if they're not getting bailed out by a home run, there's just not much going on right now. And I guess if you're looking for a positive, I think they're still making pretty good contact and and all of that. But yeah, it has not been great through the first 10 days of the season. No, it has not. Uh, that is for sure. Okay. Before we get to the real headliners, which was uh, two maddening losses on Sunday and Monday, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. So hold on tight. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Scott, let us dive in to Sunday's game, which was memorable for all the wrong reasons. Um, we'll start We'll start at sort of just the game flow here. Uh, Acuna just does crazy stuff every night right now. He beats out an infield single um, early, and then he hit the – I mean, this one, I'm not sure if you saw this live. He hit the ball 109 miles an hour, which is very hard, uh, directly at the shortstop. The shortstop fields it cleanly throws cleanly on the mark and Acuna beats it out. That's yeah. one of the more insane things I've ever seen from a right-handed batter. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to I don't want to go too crazy here, but if you watch that ball off if you watch that on the regular camera, just the way he hit it and realize it went right at a guy who threw the ball full speed to first and he beat that out as a right-handed yeah. batter. Like that isn't supposed to happen, man. That's supposed to be a very a very easy out. Like crazy. Yeah. His speed is like elite of the elite, like the 1% of the 1%. And it helps, too, that he's really good. Like, he's not like Billy Hamilton, where his only real skill was just running really fast. Like, the dude is out of his mind. The other thing, too, Acuna is like a pretty big guy. Like, he's not just like this little pipsqueak who's fast. I mean, he's he is well-built and absolutely flies. I think somebody had his his sprint speed as 30 seconds a foot or or, or 30 feet a second or something like that. Yeah, crazy. It. Like just flying. So, yeah, I, I saw that, too. I only saw bits and pieces of the game on Sunday night, but I'm telling I, you, I did see that. That was just, that was was, just insane. I, I, yeah. You know me. I'm not going to come on here and be like just overflowing ridiculous about stuff. That yeah. blew my mind. That play actually like broke my brain, because if you watch <laughs> the replay enough times, 
that looks like every ground ball you've ever seen that the guy's out by 10 feet at first and he beat yeah. it out. It was, it was insane. Anyway, uh, the Braves ended up leading three, nothing pretty quickly after a, uh, after Ozzy bombs, but then the Phillies come alive against Drew Smiley and Smiley's it's kinda, I know we're very pro Drew Smiley and we still are because there's some context here. He's thrown 11 innings, only 10 base runners, which is good. You know, a sub one whip is yeah. really nice. But three home runs and seven earned runs because of the homers in this game. And in this game, it was a pair of two strike pitches. He was ahead one and two on Gregorius. Ooh. And actually, actually, it was 0-2 and then a 1-2 uh, pitch that actually got hit out. And then it was uh, he was ahead one and two on Hoskins, went to a full count. So at the end of the day, Smiley's not been terribly effective. His ERA is not very good. But he has like a low threes XFIP. Like, I'm not worried about Drew Smiley right now, but it's a little bit frustrating with the long ball so far. It feels like he's close. Like yeah. he's he's like a pitcher two or three. And I mean, yes, we could do this for everyone, but it really does feel like through two starts and a small sample, be damned. It, it feels like he's been close to putting together two really good starts. The strikeouts are good. The command has been good. He's not really walking anyone. But again, if if you give up a couple homers, all of a sudden your really good start turns into a not so great start. Um, Again, he's going to be high profile all season long just because of the one-year free agent contract and it opens some eyes and all that. But, I mean, he hasn't been bad. I mean, no. I guess that's that's an encouraging sign. And, and realistically, he's assuming Mike Soroka gets back within the next month or so. Uh, he's really – I mean, he's the fifth starter on the team. So if, if he can give some consistent fifth starts every, every five days, I think you take it. But, again, you do – you do hope that he's able to limit the one or two things that seem to hurt him every night. Um, he, he's been close to being, being really good, but so far it just hasn't materialized. Yeah, I'm just not concerned. I wanted to at least say that. Well, I know we're sort of in the bag for Drew Smiley compared to the consensus, but uh, I think he's largely been fine. So I wanted to at least say that out loud. I may not continue, but no, no concerns for me just yet. Anyway, Freddie homers to tie the game. His third straight game with a home run, he actually had four homers in, in 20 plate appearances. So, uh, Freddie's been one of the only guys hitting, along yeah. with Ronnie and uh, Pablo. Um, but then Bryce Harper hits a home run to uh, 6-5, so the Braves are now losing in the sixth. Ronnie then ties it with another crazy home run, a 428-foot blast. His fourth home run and 38 plate appearances. At that point, he was slugging in the mid-950s, not OPS, Jeez. slugging. Yeah. We'll talk about his his numbers, which actually I've gotten better since then, which is insane. Um, but that happened. But then, of course, the controversial play mm. in the ninth. So, I mean, what are you going to say here? I think he. I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast has seen the play by now. Uh, if they missed it live, because it was you know it was a night game, all that stuff. It was one of those times where even nationally, this is not a Braves partisan thing. I don't think I saw anyone nationally that was not Philly based say that this is the right decision and the right result at the end of the game. Uh, yeah. Buster only who's like not uh, known for his blazing takes was like calling for MLB to apologize the next day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that kind of tells you how this all went. I mean, to go to a, rev- to go to a review after this and still rule it an out, I'm sorry, yeah. not ruled it out was uh something I'm, I'm not even sure what to say about it. it was it was the wrong result the Braves took, they could have lost the game later for sure um but a way to lose the way they did there was pretty much indefensible like why even have replay was the question everyone was asking I have the same question why even have replay well 
they asked Alec Bohm. You said it's not a partisan thing. They asked Alec Bohm after the game if he was safe, and even he was like, "Oh, the umpire called." He, me he basically safe, said, "Yeah." He basically but... said the umpire called me safe. That's all that matters, which is like what you say, I guess. But man, that was uh, he was not yeah. convinced that he was safe. That's I mean, sure. even he was like, "No, my my front toe got the bat." I mean, he knows he was right there. Um, it was horrible, as you said. Buster only came out, uh, said something. It was really what everyone was talking about. They have to they have to do something with replay. It's been whispered forever that. Ever since they instituted it, the umpires in New York don't want to show up their buddies and overturn the call. And if it's close, they don't they don't want to do it. And it's it is such a case by case basis. And look, if they have additional camera angles that the TVs don't, then come out and show those during replays. I mean, I, I just don't understand it. I, I realize that no one's perfect and in real time it was a close play i don't fault the home plate umpire like it was a bang bang yeah, play c- calling it wrong on the calling it wrong on the field is like not yes. that big of a deal it's it's mm-hmm. fine i mean it was close yeah i mean and, and you know yes we have the benefit of the espn replay where it slowed down and we see it 25 times at four or five different angles like i get it it's a bang bang play this was not a blatantly obvious you know i i I don't know what can be done realistically. I know they, that Mark Bowman was tweeting a little bit and that the Braves were chatting about potentially providing the replays to umpires, but the umpires wouldn't know the the call on the field. I, I don't know how logistically you do that because in the video, you're going to see the umpire right. make a ruling. And it goes back to the NFL thing. Like the whole defaulting to the call on the field, unless you, whatever, whatever the wording is, like in indisputable evidence, I think is what they always say in the NFL. And, like, this is a case where I think it was pretty indisputable, but they just always seem to lean on the call man on the field at a, at a rate that is just too high, which I think backs up what Bowman and others were saying about this. Like, it just it didn't seem like they want to overturn anything, which is yeah. funny because they actually did it tonight uh, yeah. on a pretty qu- given up. pretty questionable call. <laughs> yeah, I have given up. I mean, uh, when I saw it live, I thought it, he was safe. And watching the replay, I didn't see anything that was like clear and convincing, which is their whole thing. As you said, it's somewhere to football where it has to be like blatantly obvious. If you believe I, in makeup I, calls, this is that was the one for you. <laughs> if you're a, if you're a makeup call enthusiast, I think that was one that you could file on your side because uh, yeah. that felt like one. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I think everyone's on the same page. It's kind of ironic. I just think there's not even a take to have here. Like it's obviously the wrong call. The wrong result happens on a night. The Braves could have lo- the Braves still could have lost for sure. It was like it wasn't like a win loss proposition, but yeah. uh, to lose like that is just enraging. And, and you know, honestly, the quotes coming out of the locker room, the clubhouse, whatever you want to say, after the game, Snicker, the players, like I know Smiley was fired up. Like no one was happy. No, and it, it, it might even carry over tonight. I'm not sure if they're like in a good mood even today. I'm sure they probably weren't. Just like losing like that to a division rival and sure. knowing like on the video that you got screwed. It's just not fun for anybody. Well, and, and in a high-profile game. I mean, the Phillies certainly ESPN. The, right. National television, Sunday night. The Phillies look good. I mean, this is not – if this was a game between the Pirates and the Tigers in the middle of August, like, no one's going to care as much, right? Like, yeah, it was a bad call. It's a black eye for the umps. But, I mean, that was a high-profile game. It's the first uh, or the second Sunday night game of the year. You have two big markets going at it, and – yeah, just just horrible. I, I don't know what the solution is. Maybe it's it's getting a third party involved, so you don't have like umpires being asked to to rat or or to overturn their buddies or whatever it is. 
the protect the the brotherhood is always brought up by the the broadcast. And, <laughs> I don't know, man. The just a, it, it was a good thing. I wasn't able to watch the game live. I was at dinner with some family friends, and and uh, man, it's probably good. Better I didn't off. get to see it live. I probably would have said some bad things. You might but, have been uh, banned uh, from Twitter last night if that had happened. <laughs> if you, if you, I mean, no, knowing yeah, uh, knowing that you're you're disposed to firing off some things when you're frustrated during Braves games, you, you might you might be banned right now from Twitter. Yeah. So I'd be I'd be I'm shadow glad, banned. I'm yeah. glad you were not available. I'm glad you were not around for all of that. I um, get my burner going. Yeah, I, um, I actually tapped. I was not live tweeting, and that was that was good for me too. Not, not that I was going to get say anything too crazy, but I was purposely yeah. not online during the game. I was keeping an eye on it, but uh, yeah, it was it was brutal. Yeah, we've said enough, I think. But everyone knows what happened there, and uh, not fun. Uh, and then tonight. <laughs> A new a new series begins four hours in Brad. against the uh, the favorite Marlins. We all we all love the Marlins. We all love the Marlins, don't we? Uh, Don Mattingly gets ejected. Everyone's favorite manager, Don Mattingly, gets ejected. I actually forgot this happened. I tweeted about Mattingly because he pitched to Acuna late, and I couldn't believe they did it. And I was like, oh wait, it's not, somebody. Somebody's like, he got ejected. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we could go, go through the entire game here, but uh, lots of. Back and forth uh, with Ronald doing Ronald things. Um, there was a successful sack bunt, which was foreshadowing from Ender in the seventh, uh, that ended up getting the Braves insurance run after a fantastic at bat by Pablo Sandoval, who's been awesome. He drew a 10 pitch walk. That was fun. Acuna then walks to load the bases. They get the insurance run on a sack fly by Ozzy that almost went out of the ballpark. And that, yeah. if that goes over the fence, that's uh, the game winner, probably. But then Panda gets thrown out. I'm not sure what he was doing, if we're being honest. <laughs> uh, not to pick on him either. because he's been awesome this year, but uh, not a base running enthusiast, and yeah. I don't know what he was even trying to do. Yeah. Thoughts? I don't. I, don't, I have no. I have no takes myself. But where was I he going? I don't know. It. It kind of looked like Ron Washington was was maybe waving to him or saying, <laughs> I, I don't know. I. I mean, it's kind of been a microcosm of the entire season. Like bases loaded. One out, you I mean, can they got they the got a run, but, open, ugh, man. and you miss a grand slam by two feet. As former Brave Adam Duvall, who was non-tendered four months ago, who also bombed, uh, by the way, yes, who also homered the yeah. Adam Duvall revenge game. Um, you know, Ozzy misses a grand slam by two feet. Pablo gets thrown out at second base doing whatever he was doing. <laughs> God bless him. And then the Braves, the bullpen blows it in the eighth inning, and they lose with the annoying new extra innings runner rule. Like that—that's basically been the first ten days of the season in a nutshell. It, they've been close, and obviously it, they, it worked out to an extent. Ozzy at least got one runner in, but they've had basically an opportunity in every game except for one so far to win the game, to blow it open, and, and they just haven't been able to do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what happens if Pablo doesn't get thrown out there, but it didn't—that didn't help. I mean, uh, but at the same time, they're up three-one. Like you're supposed to win that game, up three-one after that. Um, they win the. They actually get the break in the eighth with the hilarious review that we talked about earlier. Then, which I think they probably should have lost that review, but they ended up winning it. Um, Minter walks three guys. He did not look good. Uh, that was not an encouraging performance. It's only one outing, but man, he was not good. Then Nate Jones comes in. Uh, as we said earlier, I, you know, I'm. He's not looked sharp to me overall necessarily, and then. I just have to assume that guys like Magic and Newcomb were not available. I know it was a bunch of right-handed hitters, so maybe that was the reason. But even I, I personally, in my in my personal power rankings, I have Jacob Webb ahead of Nate Jones. Uh, I would have liked to see him Webb. I know for whatever reason the Braves do not seem to love Jacob Webb. Um, 
that this goes back to last year when he was kind of just like not pitching, even though he was pitching very well. So that's one little thing. But then especially when Jones comes in, gives up a two run double to tie it right away. Then he walks back to back guys. So he can come out at that point because he's faced, he's faced three batters. He looked terrible, uh, but finally got kind of lucky and couldn't throw a strike still, but gave up a line out to center. Um, the Braves really were fortunate in the eighth. They had five walks in the inning and a double and only two runs because the guy got, um, because the review went their way. So they probably should have lost the game in the eighth if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Nate Jones coming in? Cause like maybe am I overreacting? Was it, no. I, I would not have brought Nate Jones in that game. And I said that as my, I was first guessing. I was like, I'm not sure why he's coming in here with a, in, in a high leverage spot in the, in the eighth inning. You know, I, I guess maybe they, I mean, clearly Brian Snicker must trust him a little bit more than Jacob Webb at this point. I mean, I, I would that is obvious. so. And yes. Tyler Matzik and if, if Matzik and Newcomb weren't available tonight, which seems I, I just likely, have to think Matt, um, at least Matzik was not available because he would have pitched yeah. in the eighth. You have to think he would have. Yeah. And you do have the extended bullpen right now. So, uh, yeah, it, as you said, it's a miracle. It wasn't like a blowout game right then and there. You walk five guys in an inning and have a double. It's like mathematically hard to only score two runs. Um, it, yeah. It, it, again, it was just a frustrating game really from that point on and, and the Braves had a million chances to put it away and the bullpen was not sharp. And I, I don't know. I, again, yeah, I, I'm not sure why <laughs> they keep going to Nate Jones in these prime spots. I, I said before the season, I mean, Chris Martin is the only good right-handed arm they have in that bullpen. And he's hurt. And he's hurt. And, and, and it's not like he's like Iron Man and he's thrown 70 innings for the last decade, every single year. Like, he's been prone to weird little injuries here and there his entire time. He's, he's in his late thirties or mid late thirties and, and, and it, he's hurt when he's hurt and not effective. Everything goes, everybody moves up or wrong. And when you only have one good right-handed arm in the bullpen, it, it's a problem. I still didn't get it. I don't know why they didn't add another right-handed arm before the season began. Shane Green maybe. is asking for $15 million a year, I think, at this point. Yeah, otherwise, Shane why Green, not who, was, uh, who was wandering around Truist Park on Sunday night, apparently. I don't know if you saw those photos. Um, uh, I did not. I actually did not see that. Was that, yeah. was, was that really a thing? He was there? Yeah, he was walking around, and uh, there was a picture with him. Does he want uh, to play baseball? Is that, I, is I don't retiring? know. I, I guess he's hanging out at the – who knows what he was doing. But, yeah, there was, I think a couple people saw him just, like, walking the concourse <laughs> – uh, okay, it was okay. not the worst time to, yeah, odd. Um, but yes, Alas. Shane, Shane Greener elsewhere. It has not been good from the right side. I guess we can say the left side has been great for the most part. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the bullpen's actually, I don't want to, I don't want to pile on too much because coming into tonight, the bullpen was top five in the majors in both war and ERA. So the bullpen yeah. as a whole has been good until today, basically. It, it's funny. Statistically, they've been good, but yeah. I feel like they're terrible. Yeah, like I, I agree, and that's games. why I said that because <laughs> the whole there was a lot of like, oh, this bullpen's terrible. And I listen, I I get it. They they were not good tonight, especially that eighth inning was frustrating. And that's why I want to point out like sometimes your eye and I, this happens to me too. Like sometimes your eyes kind of fool you, and the numbers are much better than the eyes tell you. And this is one of those things like the bullpen has not felt dominant to me. But what are you going to do that when they're top five in the league in numerous stats coming into the night? So it's all small sample size. Who knows? But Without Minter, right? I mean, sorry, without without Martin right now, uh, it doesn't feel great. That's for sure. It does not feel like a dominant bullpen. 
And we were already worried about the bullpen's depth, and then you take out one of the four guys we did that we actually trusted. That's not ideal. Um, last thing on this game um, was the <laughs> the Ooh. chance to score uh, in the bottom of the ninth that went begging. Um, the first two pitches of the inning were hit by pitches, which is not a frequent occurrence, I don't think. I was trying to think of another scenario which that which that's happened, and I'm sure it has, but I didn't. It's not normal. So yeah. suddenly, and it's Riley and Jackson who are not two guys who are scalding hot at the moment. No. Uh, they get on base for free, and then on the broadcast, I'm not trying to pick on anybody here, but there was a pretty jovial celebration by the broadcast that Ender was going to come up to bunt. They were really excited about the possibility to bunt there. Like, oh, this guy can bunt. Here comes Ender Inciarte. And then he struck out bunting. Womp, womp, womp. Uh, that was bad. I mean, on- honestly, if you are insistent on bunting, which I would not be, but I know people love to bunt, um, Ender is one of the guys you would want up there to bunt. He just didn't get it down. Ender, at least he has experience bunting, is all I'll say. He has bunted yeah. several times in the past. This is not like you're having Ozuna bunt in the ninth inning. Um, so it wasn't so bad. I- I'm okay with bunting there because Ender is not a good hitter. So I'm okay with him bunting there. I didn't like. I don't think it's. I don't think you have to. I wasn't excited about it in the way the broadcast was, but it's okay to bunt. He didn't get it down. That was the first problem. Then Adrianza pops up. Not ideal either. Uh, they pitched to Acuna, which I couldn't believe honestly. Uh, yeah, I couldn't either. Because yeah. it, it, I mean, I, I know first base is first base is not open, but in a it's two outs in the bottom of the ninth, so nobody matters other than the guy at the plate. And I guess the rationale would be you don't, you don't want to have the guy go to third and maybe you get a pass. The only rationale is like the pass ball stuff, which is possible given the control of the pitcher. I, I do understand that. But uh, with the way that Ronnie is hitting and the way that Ozzy is not hitting, I, I would have never pitched to Acuna there. And granted, they pitched around him and walked him, so maybe that was the play all along. But there were a couple pitches that were in the zone in that in that, in that inning, uh, in that play for it's even. So... Didn't I, I? I love that as a Braves fan. I, I love seeing them pitch to Acuna there. He ended, he ends up walking, and then Ozzy rolls one over, and they go to extra innings. And I'm not just saying this because this, this is a point that we, that we both made a number of times. It would have been very nice to have Freddie Freeman at the plate there. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's funny you and I were talking about this uh, as the game was going on. I think we have seen in the last couple games the reasoning for hitting Freddie second, and I think you can argue it both ways. Honestly, I, I do, but. I don't know, man. It was just a... We would say it for a long time. Yeah. And I... Ozzy, God love him. Love the player. But if it's between Freddie and Ozzy right now, especially Ozzy batting left-handed, where he is significantly inferior to Freddie. I mean, uh, Ozzy's awesome, but there's just no... I don't know. I mean, I, I get all the arguments, I guess, but... And this is, again, we're not picking up... We, we love Ozzy. Ozzy's very, very, very good. But... Sometimes it's kind of simple math, and you want your best players to hit the most, and your best players are Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman. And it's one of those times where it feels like cherry-picking because the game literally ended, essentially, on on Ozzy at the plate and Freddie on the on-deck circle without a bat. That was a funny visual, by the way, because if you just do the math, like, Freddie can't come to the plate there. So he's he's standing in the on-deck circle without a bat, which is, like, some of the funniest (laughs) things you'll ever see. Um, But, yeah, it's it's a good reminder of, like, one of the reasons why you would want Freddie to hit second. It's not the only reason, but one of the reasons is that, you know, 10, 15 times a year, the guy hitting third is not going to get to the plate because the guy hitting second is going to be the last out. And that, that happens like a handful of times per season. 
this is one of those times. So anyway, um, honestly, Jacob Webb got a little bit unlucky in the 10th. Yeah. It wasn't great, but like, if you look at the contact numbers, they were not belting the ball off of Jacob Webb. The first two hits were like not roped and the, uh, actually the first, the first was, should have been caught by Ozzy. I'm not, I'm not sure why that was, why well, that was ruled a hit. That was probably an error on Ozzy. I thought, um, yeah, I did too. I was surprised tough play, by that. but yeah, like he's yeah. got to make that play, especially for a, a gold glove caliber second baseman. He's got to make that play. Um, yeah. and that's not why they lost. Um, but that was not ideal. And then Webb gives up like in the, the two hits, like one of them just like barely found the line on down the third baseline. So a little bit unlucky stuff from Webb, but he, he doesn't, he actually did some heroes work. We almost started recording, uh, just to be candid. <laughs> uh, we were talking about recording cause it was, it was second and third at five, three with no outs. And obviously the win probability there is, uh, quite low, but, uh, Webb gets out of it at five, three. And that was, that was like, all right, they have a little bit of a chance here. They avoided disaster. They got, you got a guy in second went down two runs, but, uh, Nothing, nothing happening from the uh, bats. From that no, it, again, it's it's selective because I'm sure there's been points where the Braves have had a couple of little bloops or dinkers go and find grass. But man, it feels like in every loss, the Braves have had some unfortunate bounces go their way. As you said, I, I guess it was a difficult play for Ozzy to make, but to give up one on a on a broken bat or or whatever it was. And then, and then a ball that was maybe an inch fair down the line. It's just a rough way to lose, especially when you had that three-one lead late in the game. But it is what it is, and hopefully they'll start to get a few bounces going their way. Yeah, I concur with that. There was one positive that we should at least mention again. We talked about Yanoa earlier, but Yanoa's numbers are awesome for the year. He he struck he struck out ten in six innings tonight. His stuff was playing up. He's now thrown twelve innings, six. Hits, one earned run, 15 strikeouts, two walks. Like, that's kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah. Not sustainable, you wouldn't think, on, on this level, but he looks great. So, shouts to him. Uh, on the more negative side, I want to just, like, basically, without going through all the numbers, a lot of the batting order has been, like, downright hideous this season. It's basically the guys who have been good are Acuna, Freeman, Darno's been fine, and Sandoval. And that's kind of it. Um, yeah. We'll start. We'll start positive here. Acuna's numbers. Are you ready for this, Scott? Uh, uh, I'm ready. This his, is like the only fun part of this. <laughs> uh, his OBP is 500, which is pretty good. Uh, Decent. His slugging. His slugging percent, not OPS. Slugging percentage is 947. Yep. Uh, wow. Um, <laughs> a two two seventy two WRC plus. He's already over one Fangraphs WAR for the season in 44 plate appearances in 10 games. So he's on pace for. 16 plus war on the year, which isn't going to happen, but man, that's crazy. Um, so yeah, Ronnie has been the best player in baseball to this point. Uh, kind of full stop, no debate. I'm, he's going to have to cool off at some point, but it's a good reminder of like how talent, he, how talented and yeah. kind of crazy he actually is. Um, so there's that. Uh, other than that though, man, um, I'm going to let you set this up because you, you actually asked this to Eric and I chimed in on Twitter about Austin Riley's performance, and I, because mm. I looked this up, I want to use it on the podcast. Um, you, I think, I think the question you asked Eric was something like, "If you if you take away the first couple of weeks of, two, of 2019, how bad's Austin Riley been?" Mm-hmm. And I found the numbers. Uh, I, I want you to share them with people. Ooh, so I say that I want Austin Riley to be successful. Me I too. do. Like I don't, I don't like. He's by all accounts, he works hard. 
There were reports that, you know, coming up to the minors, he worked incredibly hard on his body to get in better physical shape. Like, I want Austin Riley to be the Braves' third baseman for the next half decade. Um, I had my pretty significant doubts coming into the year, and your numbers here, since that, really, he had, like, the first two, two and a half weeks where he came up, and pitchers, for whatever reason, just kept throwing him fastballs, and he was launching them. Yeah. But since... June 5th of 2019, which is about 350 plate appearances. So a decent sample, 94 games, not, not, not 2000 plate appearances, but enough, right? He is batting 213, 272, 359 with a 63 WRC plus and a full negative 1.0 war. And it's probably the- worse because those numbers were, were before today. Um, and obviously it's a small sample size, but he, he was 0 for 4 today as well. Uh, so it's probably a little bit worse than that. And again, we're not piling on, and he is not the only guy struggling. The lineup, as we just said, the only guys who are actually hitting, it's easier to get, it's actually, it's easier to name the guys who are hitting than the guys who are struggling. So it's not just Riley. But because we were talking about it and the fact that Riley is, the problems go beyond the last even full calendar year, it's not, it's not great. And then you throw in like Pache's not ready yet, pretty clearly. Uh, he's not hitting so far. It's been of a slow start there. You have Ender who can't hit. You have Dansby struggling a little bit. Um, Ozzy's had a couple flashes, but hasn't been great. Azuna is is in a slump early. Like the the lineup has not been good. And it's the question is like what what, are the, what how many wins would they have if Ronald Cunha was like was a human? Basically, yeah. they might be two and eight, um, one and nine. I don't even know. Yeah, I just saw this come across Ozzy Albies, who's bat, batted second, I believe, in every game this year. His WRC plus is one. As a reminder for those who are not necessarily as familiar with this stat that we use all the time, 100 is average. And his WRC <laughs> plus is one. You don't have to be a math major here to see why that's a problem when uh, historically we, the number two spot in the order is, is is the most important spot in the entire lineup. And you're getting a guy who is, I mean, he's like worse than a pitcher right now at this point. Like Max Freed is like bare minimum offensively uh, hitting as a pitcher and his, his WRC plus is like 30. That That's how bad Ozzy has been. And it's not just Ozzy. It's not like he's the only guy not hitting. Um, but you're right without, without Acuna just being a maniac and Freddie hitting a couple homers. Like I think he, I think Freddie has one or maybe two hits all year. That isn't a home run. Yeah. He's been like very he's, boomer bust, which is not, not, yeah. not, not, not only what he does, but it's been happening. No, so he's, he's hitting like a buck 40. And yes, like four of those are home runs. But again, you, it's just been weird. Marcelo Zuna, he he did have an RBI single tonight where he hit the ball hard, but Ozuna has not been great. He Travis almost homered no. too, by the way. Ozuna yeah. had one, was in the eighth inning, that was like five feet foul on the left field line that was hammered. He just kind of pulled yeah. it a little bit. So just missed it. maybe he's coming out, but we'll see. Maybe. I mean, Travis Darno has been pretty good. Dansby has been better in the last couple nights, but he hasn't been great during the first week, especially he had that one homer off of Max Scherzer. But besides that, it was basically nothing. So yeah, it's not exclusive to one or two guys struggling. And hopefully the, as the weather warms up and they're able to get some consistent at bats, they were able to pick it up a bit, but I mean, it really has been just pray that Ronnie hits a homer and, and that's it. Yeah, it's <laughs> not really a sustainable approach for a nope. uh, contending offense. Listen, I'm not worried. The offense is not concerned to me, but it has not been good so far. And you want some guys to show some stuff. Uh, that includes Riley. And, um, you know, right now, 
you know, today especially, like, I would probably like to stagger the Alex Jackson Ender and Ciarte combo, which they rolled out tonight together. I, I don't love to see that. Uh, you, you have to rest Arno sometimes for sure, but maybe maybe don't do that the same night that you start Ender. I don't know. Um, just to just for just for the feels of it all. Like, sure. Look at the lineup tonight. It's like, man, it kind of just dies at a certain point. Yeah. In the lineup. If it wasn't the first five, and oh, it's not like man. the first five um, is setting the world on fire. Well, true. Yeah. So yeah, and there's a lot of uh, we all knew that there was a lot riding on the top five or six guys in the lineup, and it's definitely in that case so far. All right. Well, Scott, at the end of this, uh, we'll have some sort of news and notes to hit on here, but that's that's a lot of game coverage because we have not talked in a week, but there was a lot that happened. At the end of the day, the Braves, it was a relatively productive week. As crazy as that is, the Braves did win four games in a row in the middle of the week. So they've actually, uh, you know, they've won four out of the last six, if you want to be as positive as possible. Um, and they could have won all of those games. So they're in fine shape. I mean, they're four yeah. and six. Yeah. Like, the, It's not like they're getting blown out. No, you, you start 0-4, everyone just kind of nods their head like, all right, they'll come out of this pretty soon. And now they're four and six, and they're in fine shape. Like no one's going to be telling you that they're lighting the world on fire, but uh, they're 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 not, they're not digging this massive hole. Like I, I think Eric and I said last week on the podcast, like look, unless they're one and nine next week, like <laughs> everything's going to be fine. And they're not one and nine. They're they're four and six. It's fine. Yeah, they're fine. I mean, this roster is too good to have these issues. Again, every game has basically been a coin flip, and they've been on the wrong side of a couple of bad bounces, especially early in the year. I mean. I noted, I know it's been a while since we talked, Brad, but that first week of the year, uh, they they had allowed, I think, the second highest batting oh. average on balls in play of anyone in baseball. It was like 360, oh, it was and the league average was 280. So, again, you, you, I'm not trying to make excuses. The play has been poor. Defense has been a little, a little shaky. The bullpen, again, as, as I said, while the numbers are pretty, pretty solid, it feels like they haven't been great, and it's been a bit of a mixed bag with starting rotation, but this is a good roster and four and six is not great. If the Braves have a four and six stretch in the middle of July, maybe we go, oh, they're not playing super well, but you know, whatever. Uh, everything gets magnified in this first month and fingers crossed they're able to come out of it here sooner than later. Yep, absolutely. Um, quickly, the Braves traded for Orlando Arcia last week. He has been at the alternate site. They actually gave up some real value. They gave up Patrick Weigel, which was not like terribly surprising, but a little bit surprising. I've been raising. Uh, Arcia was once kind of a big prospect for the Brewers. He's not been great in the majors, but he's a professional level backup infielder, basically like a do-it-all guy. He's not a great hitter by any means. He was pretty good last year in a small sample size for the Brewers, but um, I think he's better on paper than what Adrianza and Camargo give you, which is kind of the theory I think behind that. But what'd you make of that yeah. transaction? <laughs> Just kind of a weird trade when yeah. it, when it happened the day after, not even the day, like 12 hours after Fernando Tatis blew out his shoulder. I think like the whole baseball world was like, Oh, the, the Padres are going to get him for a month or two. And then I, it was like the Braves are acquiring him. And I was like, well, that's, that's weird. Like the only bench players we have that are halfway decent are infielders. Like what's, and then, and then, of course, like a lot of the questions that we got were like, why is he in the minors then if you're trading? Like, yeah. not again, not a huge haul, but Patrick Weigel is a guy that people like. Like, they traded guys people recognize. Uh, yeah. And then sent him to the alternate set. So he's still there now. So, like, it's a week now. It's not like it was like a two day, let's get acquainted and then we'll bring him up. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, the, the trade was fine, but it was, it's a bit sure. strange for sure. Yeah. Maybe it was a little bit of, of 40 man roster clutter that they were trying to clear up. I mean, Chad Sabatka, he, he's never going to be a thing. All right. And 
and Patrick Weigel. Yeah, we'll always have those two weeks in September of 2018 with with Chad Sabatka. Um, Throwing seeds at like one like 101 yeah, where he was doing. He was just, he actually was quite good for a little bit. Let it rip, baby. Let it rip. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, it was it was just an odd trade. I I guess because there is some injury risk with Dansby, maybe they wanted a little bit more of a proven or established middle infielder. As you said, Arcia did have some prospect pedigree, though it's been years since then. It's not like he's a year or two removed from it. But. What's he, 20? Yeah, he's 26. So Yeah, so he's not an old man. I mean, maybe there's something there. He, he has flashed some power pretty good defensively. Um, maybe it was just the Braves trying to clear up some roster clutter. Who knows? But ultimately, it was a, a move I was a bit surprised by, especially since it happened like four days into the season. It was like, what what changed? In, in four days, you decided to make this move. Uh, but ultimately, I'd imagine he, he, he'll join the big league team at some point and presumably be like the second or third pinch hitting option off the bench. But just kind of an odd deal all the way around. Yeah, oh, that's that's well said. Uh, the other trade they made was for Edgar Santana on Friday. Um, in exchange for cash considerations, Santana was actually quite good and has been good in his entire career, actually, has a, has a low threes ERA, but he has not pitched in a long time. He missed 2019 with Tommy John and then had a PD suspension that he's actually still serving. So that's a depth move in the bullpen. He's got a pretty good arm. Um, the numbers are good from a couple years ago, but that's obviously a big question mark. It seems like Anthopolis is just like kind of willing to wheel and deal on the margins this year, which is fine. That's kind of what yeah. I think he probably should be doing, given that we, we assume that they're kind of cash-strapped, so they can't really spend money, I don't think. Maybe they'll sign Shane Green tonight. We won't know that. But um, <laughs> for now, I think we have to assume they don't have a ton of money, so like he's just kind of like taking some flyers, which is fine. Yeah, you, you try it out. Maybe at some point. Santana comes up if they need a fresh arm, see what he can do. As you said, he has a pretty live arm um, because of the PED suspension. You're, you, I mean, there's no risk here, right? Just no. cash considerations. If he's not good or if he gets popped with another suspension, you Bye. kick, you know, yeah. you get rid of him. But yeah, just, just uh, to be honest, I didn't know they did this until I read your uh, podcast notes like an hour ago. Well, it was, was uh, yeah, it was one of those. I mean, obviously not a huge, not a huge move. And I, I actually saw it come across on Twitter live when it happened, or I would probably wouldn't notice, wouldn't notice either. But yeah. I do, I do remember Santana being pretty good. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I, I didn't realize until I looked it up that he hadn't pitched in two years. So that's one of those yeah. things. Like, who Why knows? Not? I'm not going to tell you I'm an expert on Santana, but his number, his numbers are pretty good. So that's all I got for you. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Chris Martin hitting, hitting the IL with shoulder inflammation. Um, Snicker did say that he might be out longer than the 10 days, but there is no structural damage. So that's a, that's a win that he's not like, it's not broken. Um, just some inflammation and some soreness. Uh, but who knows? It's, it's a shoulder. Shoulders are scary. So we don't love to see that uh, at any level because Chris Martin, as discussed earlier, is quite important for this team. Yeah, you hope. I mean, you hope he's able to get back as soon as humanly possible. Again, you don't want to rush a guy. It's still April, uh, I guess, thirteenth officially now as of recording this. You're going to need Chris Martin for the long haul, so if you, you have to give him a little bit of time now, I think you certainly make that trade off. But they do need Chris Martin. I mean, if if Martin is unable to go for a decent stretch, or if the shoulder becomes a consistent issue, or the numbness in his fingers becomes a, a continuing thing, it's it's a very legitimate problem. Let's hope that just with a little bit of, of rest and, and rehab and treatment, he's able to get over it. Yeah, that is definitely the hope. And the other guy of grave uh, interest is Mike Soroka, who shut down for a little while here. Uh, this happened on Wednesday of last week, so six days ago now as we record this. Um, but 
a two-week shutdown at least for Soroka with right shoulder inflammation. Um, he had some discomfort when he was throwing a sim game, which is not what you want to see. Obviously, this is not the injury that he had before, which is important to note. Like he, it was the Achilles, so um, arm issue, shoulder issue, not ever good, but maybe just a ramp up thing. We'll see. Um, no one seems terribly worried. Um, Snickers been kind of upbeat about it, but it's going to be a while because you know even if he's just healthy in two weeks, he has to ramp up. Like he's not. He wasn't there anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't ready to pitch right now anyway, so you would assume he'll need a little bit longer because he's going to have to, like, ramp up a bit more. So maybe, like, mid-late May now? I don't know. I mean, we're all guessing, but uh, we'll definitely be seeing Enoa for a little while longer, and then Bryce Wilson will be happy. I think he's going to be staying ready. They are talking about him just kind of staying every fifth day pitching, so uh, that maybe it it might be a while for Soroka, which is not what you want to see, but hopefully it's just it'll take him some time. Yeah, I mean, it's a little concerning because Mike did have the shoulder issue maybe two years ago. Um, I guess if you are looking for a a silver lining a little bit, I mean, I guess it does give his Achilles a little more time to heal and recover. It's another two weeks. By all accounts, he's doing well in that regard. At least he has to bat, Scott. That'd be fun. Oh, God. What a mess. (laughs) But, But pitchers don't have to run in extra innings if they were the last guy to come up. I didn't know about that rule Me either, until tonight. Until tonight. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, oh. neither did Chip and uh, and Jeff and the, uh, and Toglov and the and, the, uh, and I'm, not, I'm not picking on them because that was sure. one of those rules that like I guess nobody knew because Chip was like, <laughs> why is this not the pitcher or the pinch runner yeah. or something? So uh, uh, that was well hidden, I guess. Only baseball. Um, you do hope, obviously, Soroka is able to be okay. Maybe it is just some soreness. Of course, he really. I mean, really, he hasn't pitched competitively in in like 18 months at this point because last year he only made the one or two starts with the Achilles injury, had a limited spring training. Really, right now, this is the equivalent of spring training for him, and you always do hear about pitchers who are shut down early in spring because they have some shoulder fatigue, whatever it is, as he shakes off the rust. So, as you said, the Braves don't seem overly concerned about it, and I don't think even when Soroka, even if he didn't have the shoulder stuff, I, I don't get the sense the Braves were going to have him throw like every fifth day regardless. Like I think they were going to incorporate a little bit of time off just to keep him fresh. Uh, yeah, shoulders are scary, but ultimately I'm not super concerned about this. And they have some depth. Uh, ultimately, they're going to need him for their ceiling for sure. Soroka being right uh, unlocks this team a lot. But um, for now, we'll see. Uh, last thing, the schedule is coming this week, it never stops in baseball, of course. They have three more against the Marlins, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then a 12-20 Eastern game on Thursday. Your personal favorite, Scott, on the West Coast. A 9-20 a.m. start for you? Breakfast Thursday. in the Braves. Um, yeah. I guess you'll yeah. be at work, but um, one of those things. And then they go to Chicago for three against the Cubs over the weekend. So we will see. Uh, we'll have podcasts in the near future, as always. Uh, I believe it's a Sunday night game again this week. Sunday night at Wrigley. Uh, Braves, yep. Braves fans getting excited about some more night baseball. It's really bad for podcast scheduling when the Braves play Sunday nights. I'll just say that. It's, it's good for the fan base. I get that. But it's not what you want if you are a Sunday night Braves podcaster and is trying to record. So I, I don't know when the next podcast will be. It'll be sometime in the next week to 10 days. It'll be happening. We're going to be here. Road to Atlanta will be popping in as well. We'll have more content. But... uh We'll get. The, I mean, you got to understand, folks. Uh, there's no point in recording during a game or before or right before a game, and then it becomes like tonight, and it's twelve fifteen, and we're still talking. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge. Um, anyway, that's yeah. that's all I have for now, Scott. The, the Braves are four and six. The world is not ending. 
Uh, looking at the standings right now, as, as our final parting thought, I didn't look. I don't this up though. The standings are as follows. If the internet cooperates, okay. The Phillies are two and sorry. The Phillies are six and three. This is funny. The Mets are two and three right now, and they're a half game ahead of the Braves. Yeah, they the just the, Mets, the, <laughs> the poor Mets can't play. Two like, and three. Th- there was the shutdown with the Nats, and then they had the the horrible rainout after six pitches on Sunday afternoon, and. Man, that, how does that happen in 2021? Like, how do you? How does that happen? Right. Anyway, um, so yeah. four of the five teams in the division are under 500. So if you're that, you should be even even less concerned than you were five minutes ago. If um, uh, if if you want to just remember, uh, if the season was over today, oh, no. the Baltimore Orioles, Kansas City Royals, and Detroit Tigers, I believe, would all be in the playoffs in the American League. Oh yes. So if if, if you're uh, if you're concerned. Obviously, you don't want the Braves to go four and six the whole way. You want them to pick up a few more wins, and by all accounts, they're going to start playing better here. But yeah, it it is as I mean again, if not to <laughs> the football analogy, you are on percentages. You are just finishing up week one of the NFL season after ten games of baseball. It's the beauty, I guess, it's the beauty and the curse of baseball. It's it's a game every single night for six months, and. It's such a marathon. You can't get wrapped up in one game, even if it was not super fun watching four hours of tonight's game. <laughs> <laughs> You're always 24 hours away, usually, from, from your next game. Yeah, we will see uh, more baseball on Tuesday evening as we're recording this on Tuesday morning. The Braves are, by the way, considerable favorites on the betting market for Tuesday night's game with Max Free on the mound. So we'll see how that goes. But... Thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody. Scott, thank you for joining me. Have you read anything recently that we should plug? If not, then no. The I've been I've been slacking. I've had some real life stuff going on. Nothing bad, thankfully, but just been busy. So I haven't gotten to write much. But looking forward to settling in as the year gets going, and we'll hopefully get back to writing here soon. Yeah, there is written content on the site always. So uh, read all of that. Subscribe to this podcast. Follow whichever one you want to, whichever word you want to use there between subscribe and follow. Uh, rate, review, tell your friends about the show. That's always very helpful as well. And uh, I'll be back with either Scott or Eric or somebody else in the near future. So stay tuned. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.